HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. to Let's Eat In. I'm your host, Kathy Array, and we're here at Roberta's Pizza, um, which is where Heritage Radio Network is based. Um, today's show is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, and um, it's a beautiful day in Brooklyn. Um, they say March comes in like a lion, or the weather in March comes in like a lion and leaves like a lamb. Right, that was just something that Ula told me just five minutes ago. Um, I, I thought it was nice and, you know, kind of a folksy saying. Um, but uh, she is one of our guests, uh, Ula Caraval. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So Ula writes the blog Gold- Goldilocks Finds Manhattan. Yep. And she's also um, a tremendous cook, home cook, and food writer, and uh, she was one of the food bloggers that I asked to take the challenge of the week of eating in two weeks ago. Um, this was a, just a huge campaign that uh, Huffington Post launched in the same time as uh, my book launched, The Art of Eating In. And it was just kind of a, a way to explore, um, provide tips, and see what happens when a lot of people try to not eat out in restaurants or take out or street stand food for a week straight. So basically cook everything they can possibly cook for themselves while running about their daily duties. We also have another blogger who um, took that pledge as well. Her name is Addie Broyles, and she's on the phone today from Austin, Texas. Addie, are you here? Hey, how's it going, guys? Hank, <laughs> thanks. So how warm is it down there in Texas right now? Actually, uh, you know, we <laughs> you caught us on a cold rainy day and so you get the sun is shining up there but you know it's supposed to be uh, 70 degrees in the next few days getting up, getting ready for south by southwest so we couldn't be happier oh good i can't wait because i'm heading down there in a couple days cool we can't wait to see you yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun there's so much food stuff going on in south by southwest these days i know it's crazy i'm actually that's what i'm working on today is just getting all the information together for the food parties there's barbecues and bacon throwdowns and cupcake socials and you know, it's really becoming a, a food-centric event, just as it is with technology and film and music. So, And that's amazing. It seemed to happen in the last year or so. I mean, did you do this single-handedly? Because I know you organized the last year's Food last Blogger year Meetup. Had, yeah, yeah, we did. 
do um, a food blogger party. This will be the second year for it. But I would say maybe within the past two years have, have I mean, it's the online community, the food community has just realized that there are so many people here who are involved with food anyway and that Austin is such a great food town that you might as well, you know, take it beyond, you know, the barbecue that everybody always knows about and just use it as an chance to, um, to eat because food right. brings everybody together. So, And with something like South by Southwest, um, you know, food is just blowing up in media, all sorts of media, uh, you know, salon.com, all sorts of news journals now have a food section. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, just like with the Huffington Post being so interested in, in food and this whole eating in thing, I mean, I do see it being really correlated. We're all more interested in, in cooking. We're all more interested in, in restaurants and chefs. And um, mm-hmm. it's just this national phenomenon. And, um, you know, so why not bring it to South by? Yeah, I think it's a lot, it surprised a lot of folks to see um, the editors at Huffington Post to see so many hits and so many comments on these stories that were like, you know, delicious winter recipes. I think that one got, that was on like the top five most read for wow. a little while. That's great. And, well, you well, you really hit the nail on the head. You know, I mean, you started this project in 2006, but that was really, I think, when the wind was lame. No. <laughs> did you feel, I mean, did you feel ostracized? I mean, that was um, one of my questions. I like to, you know, I wanted to be contrarian and just kind of play devil's advocate. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that would be maybe provocative. Yeah. But um, I didn't think that it would become like a, a trend. Mm-hmm. And I'm more happy. I couldn't be happier to, to see it. Yeah. Um, we also have one other Colin guest who is another food blogger who took the challenge. His name is Mark Matsumoto. Matsu- whoops. Matsumoto. Matsumoto. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> What's up? So three of the four are online right now. The other two, James Boo from The Eaton Path and Casey Fleischer from Eating SF, um, may or may not be joining us in that. I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll see. So I want to start with, um, uh, I don't know, maybe Ula. What did you think was hardest about eating in for a week? Um, I guess... When I was traveling, that was hard. You know, sometimes it's easy to catch um, lunch on the fly, and you always have to plan ahead. I guess that was the biggest thing. But so, I kind of liked having that excuse that I had to pack something, and that was a that I think that's great to like a, have that an excuse, like yeah, yeah so because everyone wants to eat out and stuff, and then mm-hmm. you can kind of say, no, I'm eating in for a week, and yeah, it's, kind of it's a like nice this excuse. is Lent. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. This is my commitment. Yeah, yeah and I then, can see that. And then my cousin was. Um, visiting and we usually go out to like a fun restaurant all together and I cook dinner and it actually was much more enjoyable because we could sit for four hours and talk and really enjoy you know I, I do do a lot of cooking but it's kind of nice to have make sure that you stay at home and yeah cook. cool so did you travel like extensively like far or just day-to-day commutes? just day-to-day yeah, yeah when you know you're packing lunch and stuff like you have that. a busy day of being here and there yeah exactly yeah that's definitely tough and i forgot to introduce uh mark's website which is no recipes.com it's just just knock out gorgeous uh photography and cool recipes um mark what'd you find hardest about eating in for a week um wow well so i always have thought of myself as as somebody who eats in a lot you know i I enjoy cooking yeah yeah it's it's a way to, to unwind for me so, you know, when I was presented with the challenge, I thought, hey, this is going to be a piece of cake. Um, but as it turns out, it was a lot harder than I thought. You know, like living in New York, I, you get invites to go out with friends or, or whatever. 
And I was turning people down left and right, and they're oh. like, you know, what's with you? <laughs> like, don't you want to <laughs> hang out with us? And I mean, that was only for a week, so I can I can only imagine how hard that must have been doing in a year for a year. Um, and then and then you know, just the everyday. I have a day job aside from the food blog, um, and so work's just been picking up. And and you know, I, there were a couple nights where I was seriously tempted to just pick up the phone and call and you know just uh, um, <laughs> cheat, but uh, but I didn't. And wow. uh, and it was a great experience. You know, it was a real opener and made me realize that you know I do actually uh, typically eat out like three four nights a week um, and even though I, I do a lot of cooking at home too so um, so it was, it was a lot of fun sometimes I find that the the strangest or most interesting meals are made in that you know exhausting you know 12 o'clock at midnight state <laughs> when yeah. you just want to throw in the towel but uh yeah. thanks so much for persevering that's cool yeah i, well, I mean i mean it, 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 it's funny that you bring that that up because that was like a lot of my meals that i had that week were not typical meals that i'd have in a normal week and it oh, was yeah. because that's all i had in the fridge you know like i had a lamb roast that um lava lake uh lamb sent me um and uh you know i'm like it's a roast i can't do that in the middle of a week but, <laughs> but you, you know <laughs> like, that was the only meat i had in the fridge and i'm like i have to cook it so um so i actually ended up coming up with a, a way to to take a top round of roast and cook it in 40 minutes um oh so you know it, was, it ended up becoming kind of a quick uh, weeknight meal that i wouldn't have done otherwise i would have never thought that recipe was inspired by you know eating in too it's such an instructive thing you know how to cook a roast really quick like a blend. <laughs> did you use a broiler i can't remember um, well, I, I, what I did was I, I took the, the, I mean, the top round is not a huge chunk of meat to yeah. begin with, but I basically seared it in a cast iron uh, skillet first on both sides, which, okay. you know, got it most of the way there. And then I threw it in the oven for about um, 35, 40 minutes and that, that finished it off. So nice. it was great. You know, it was nice and um, had this great crust on the outside and it was perfectly cooked on the inside. And I bet you had enough for leftovers too. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's the other thing that I like to do when cooking at home is taking, uh, you know, cooking something big on the weekend and then just reusing the leftovers. And I think a lot of people think leftovers are kind of boring, but for me, it's, all, it's very exciting because you can turn it into a million different things. Like I made a noodle soup with the uh, with some garlic scapes and the leftover lamb. I made some like lamb fried rice, which I actually didn't post on the on, on, include in there. Um, but there, there's like a lot of other you know things that you can make with a roast, like a pasta or whatever, and it's a, it's a great thing to make on a weekend and, and eat through the rest of the week. Wow! So thanks so much. It sounds like you invented a lot of things because of leftovers too, which is always yeah. fun. That's like how I, that's how I like to cook. Nice. All right. So we also have another um, guest who just joined us, James Boo from the Eaton Path. Made it. Yay. E- ate his path to Roberta's <laughs> just now. I don't know. <laughs> My teeth so. hurt. <laughs> That was a weird one. (laughs) (laughs) Broken glass, shattered, yeah, cars. Um, So uh, what did you find most difficult about eating in for a week? Um, I don't think that the cooking part and the eating part was actually the biggest challenge. But Mm -hmm. anytime anything unexpected happened, all the plans you made uh, just kind of fell apart, basically. Okay. Um, So I was sick almost the entire week um, with a sinus infection. Oh, no. Um, and then there are just other other work-related things. I think Mark mentioned this on his blog, too. Like Something comes up for work, and you have to be gone for about six hours. And the extra hour you know, that you, you plan to set aside to prepare dinner or do this or shop for that uh, pretty much goes out the window. Um, so I think that the thing he said about cooking in batches and having something to fall back on 
was essentially what saved me mm-hmm. because I made a giant pot of beans um, and my roommate made a big thing of hummus. Um, two things that are that are way Healthy. easier yeah. Yeah, to eat, to, to make than I think most people realize. Um, so we did that on Sunday. And nice. I ended up coming back to that at least three times. Well, I'm glad uh, you, didn't, <laughs> you didn't get yourself any sicker because of my crazy experiment. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, Addie, how about you? Well, the most yeah. dif- I would say the most difficult thing, I mean, it's finding the energy to, I don't know, it's it's hard. I've got a three-year-old, that, uh, which always sort of influences what we cook, not only because he's sort of picky, but he's also at that age where he really wants to participate in whatever we're doing. And I feel like I just lead this typical, you know, working mom's life where we get home at 5.30 and it's like, we're all hungry and what's the quickest thing that we can get on the table? And and I'm I'm like one of the other um, bloggers who you know I feel like we cook in we or we cook a lot, um, but you forget how much you rely on prepared food in different capacities. For instance, a frozen pizza or a frozen lasagna or you know some other kind of um, you know it's a shortcut or you know just warming things up and, and heating and assembling rather than actually cooking. And so that was a big wake up call for me during the week was just. Um, you know, recommitting myself to, to making that a priority. And, you know, just recently I was, um, or just this past weekend, I was visiting some in-laws in Fort Worth, and my seven-year-old niece, we were talking, and she said that she had never cooked anything. She'd never helped her mom, and her mom cooks all the time. And so we started talking, and, you know, she'd never baked a cake or cracked an egg. And it just made me realize that even though, you know, cleaning up after my son when he cracks eggs and gets, you know, shells and, uh, you know, egg yolk all over the counter may seem like a hassle or may seem like you know an extra step it is so valuable and it's so important and you know when I started thinking about this over the long term the stuff in your book about passing on um you know just passing on the joy of cooking and and just the knowledge of cooking that really struck how to crack an egg yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's always good to know (laughs) don't throw it against the wall make sure to have a hammer on hand (laughs) (laughs) well and why because you know you're so right that we're one generation away from losing that and that our parents and grandparents you know, took that for granted, and you know, I, I ended up writing a story about this for the the Statesman, and I had some readers chime in and say, "What's the big deal? We've been cooking for years and years." And I had to remind them that, sure, you're, you're used to cooking, but your kids are not used to cooking, and and you know, it, it, restaurants and fast food places and, and grocery stores make it so easy just to pick up something that's already ready that it does take a concerted effort to to cook. And so I was just really glad that your book brought that to the attention of, of, of your readers and my readers and, and my family. Thanks. So. Yeah, I mean, we saw a lot of comments like that at the Huffington Post, too. It was like, what's the big deal? Um, and, you know, but I, do you guys feel like home cooking, maybe it's not going to vanish, but it's in decline because there's so many things that are, you know, shortcuts, shake and bake or whatever, processed and also just take out uh. well it's all it's also like a budget thing i think um you know i mean if you can go and get like a family meal at mcdonald's for a couple bucks and you know you can feed like a family of four um versus you know you go to the grocery store and you want to buy a, a bulb of fennel and it's like four bucks you know it's like well do i want the bulb of fennel or do i want to feed my whole family like it, it makes it it makes it i think difficult for a lot of people to um to eat healthfully um, right yeah that's I also think that people are are growing up with different assumptions of what food actually is. Um, so, I, I mean, this is kind of nerdy economic talk, but they don't understand the full costs um, and, and the full benefit of what they're actually eating. Um, 
And I think, I mean, when, when Addy was talking, I just remember there's some slogan for some prepared food, which is, um, it's already ready already. <laughs> and the mindset of, uh, of, of just having cooking be something you just don't have to do. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's an option for everybody to say, well, I, I just don't cook. It's just something I'm never going to do, as opposed to something that, that's a basic skill that people should know, or they should know what a, uh, what a tomato looks like. There was, uh, on the Jimmy Oliver's thing, there was a commercial which, where he asked about a classroom of kids, and he shows them basic vegetables, and they don't know a single one, including really? potato. Oh, my gosh. Jimmy, is that the TED Talks that Jimmy <laughs> And they're like, that's not a French fry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they, knew what a, they didn't know what a tomato was, but they knew what tomato ketchup was. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people are intimidated to do cooking, and then maybe they're shy about cooking for their friends because it has to be this very fancy thing. And I, I think that we've kind of gotten away from just doing it, you know? Like, cooking is something that we should all do and try and not be intimidated, yeah. you know? And I think yeah. that um, Mark's blog's called No Recipes, and it's, it's a good way to think about it because I think people are intimidated by recipes. and it, They it follow ha- word for word, yeah. yeah. yeah well, there's the, the, the problem, so the problem with, with cookbooks, and this, I think this started um, back in the 50s when, you know, house mothers had to start going into the workplace and you know, people just had less time. So you didn't have time to, to, you know, follow a really long recipe that explained everything in great detail. And we started to get to, to thinner and thinner recipes. And it's to the point now where most recipes fit on a single page. You know, it's not only are, do they not have very many ingredients, but there's just not a lot of explanation behind the technique. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think for a lot of people, they could make 300 recipes out of a cookbook and they're still not going to understand how to cook. They won't understand the fundamentals because the recipe just says, you know, put onions in pan for five minutes. And it doesn't say, like, you know, wait till they're fragrant or wait till they're caramelized or even why you would want to caramelize onions. So you can't take that bit of knowledge, like, and and apply it to another recipe. Like, you have no idea why you put the onions in the pan. Yeah, everyone, onions going to take longer or be different. You know, it's like, it's a living thing. Exactly. Well, um, I want to get back to you guys on what your favorite things were about the week of eating in. Instead of all the gloom, once we take a quick break, I just wanted to pick this Beach Boys song because it's so summery. Kathy Irway, and today's show is brought to you by Whole Foods Market here at Roberta's, and um, we're listening to Heritage Radio Network, of course. 
Um, we're here with a bunch of folks. They're awesome. Uh, Ula Carvel from Goldilocks Finds Manhattan, James Boo from the Eaton Path. We've got Addie Broyles in Texas um, from Relish Austin and the Statesman. Um, and sorry, Mark Matsumoto from No Recipes on the line. So I wanted to get back to these guys on, um, you know, we just talked about the challenges of eating in for a week. And I have one more question. Do anybody feel like really ostracized? Like I'm all alone in the world doing this solitary mission of, of kind of foolish proportions? Or did you feel like, like kind of, Ulu, you were saying it was like kind of empowering, like it made you feel like I'm on a... Yeah, Um, because you get a lot of, like Mark mentioned, in New York, you know, most people meet at restaurants and it's kind of a nice way of seeing people. And I feel like a lot of people don't do dinner parties. So it was kind of neat that I had to say, well, if you want to see me, you have to cook me dinner. (laughs) I have to cook you dinner. So I kind of like that. Or I have to bring you a picnic. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think my favorite um, or one of, you know, I I love telling this story, but um, Anna LaPay, um, she's an amazing writer. She's coming out with a book called Diet for a Small Planet, Hot Planet. Um, also took the challenge and she wrote about about her week on Huffington Post and she mentioned she had a, a meeting with Josh Viertel, the president of Slow Food and instead of, they were supposed to have like a lunch meeting, you know, business lunch somewhere at a restaurant. Instead of that she made it an office picnic and she brought some like vegetarian chili I shared it I think and yeah, that's how it went. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And I think you talked about a little bit about that, about amount, the amount of waste that goes into like corporate lunches and things like that. And it's just kind mm-hmm. of neat if you have to make food for others in a way, because you're really cutting out all of that stuff and making a statement. Yeah, that waste is another thing. Too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other thing for, for me, this is Mark, um, it, it felt like there's a whole community around this. So doing an event like this is kind of cool because, you know, like, Kathy, when you did this for a year, like, y- you were kind of out there on your Two own. Years. And so I imagine it, it might have been lonely sometimes. But, you know, for, for us, it was like there was this group that were, was tweeting all the time. And, um, you know, and I, I even, like, I would tweet about, like, eating in and people, like, would, like, write their sympathy yeah, the to hashtag. me, you know. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm sorry. Cool. Yeah, there was over 1,500 people who made the pledge from Huffington Post. It's amazing. amazing. And, you know, you guys are, are pretty pro when it comes to cooking, but I'm just, uh, I'm fascinated. Did you guys learn anything new, perhaps? Or did you feel, what was your favorite aspect about it? I'll start. Well, I learned, okay. um, I hooked up with one of my neighbors who, who used to own some bakeries. And I was all, we started up this conversation, I was all excited about Michael Volman's uh, ratio book when it came out, and then that ratio app that he had, and just this concept of baking with ratios, and and this, my neighbor's name is Buzz. He went and pulled off this, um, uh, you know, yellowing binder from his shelf, and he showed me. I mean, he has been using recipes. He's been relying on recipes for thirty or ratios for baked goods for thirty years, and that's how his bakery worked. And so we started flipping through, and you know, it was these charts of if you're going to make, you know, for instance, a dozen or two dozen or twelve dozen croissants. Here's the ratios of the things that you would use, and so. I asked him to show me one day, and so that was one of my eat-in experiments was to basically learn how to make homemade croissants. And it was an all-afternoon ordeal, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, not at all anything that, you know, anybody could expect to do. It's not bad for croissants. I can imagine it taking longer. (laughs) But, you know, that was so fun. And I, you know, to just take the time and spend that time together, like, we love cooking together. and, And I think that so many people, that was one of my big issues about, or you know, you know, people hosting dinner parties, they are so intimidated to have people over, and it's often just easier in their minds to order food in or to go out. And But when you go out, it's it takes away that intimacy and 
and, you know, sure, it's a big risk to cook food and serve it to people if you're not used to doing that. Um, but, you know, I just was, I was really happy for the opportunity to, to share meals. I mean, we, have, we, eat, we eat dinner with these neighbors at least once a week. And, but the pressure, you know, I think collectively, our generation, you know, you kind of put pressure on each other when you do host. And, you know, you got to make sure you have more than enough wine and more than enough courses. Or, or you don't. <laughs> yeah, or you don't. And that's, where, and that's where I wish that our collective expectations were just not, I don't want to say we lower our expectations, mm-hmm. but, yeah. you know, at least be more realistic and, and take the pressure less off. Less formal, less, yeah. yeah. And for both the host and for the guests and to make it a more laid-back experience. Right. So. I mean, if if eating in fast food is the most popular way to eat out, um, or at all, actually, I think it's 75% of what we eat, um, then that's not formal at all. So why can't you, you know, there's nothing um, great about that atmosphere, sitting in a, you know, in your car. So why the big fuss about doing something just as um, casual at home? I know, even if it's just, you know, spaghetti and you know, red sauce, or if you're going to make soup, just make extra, and, you know, I don't know. We don't have to go all out. Yeah, I agree. So you had dinner parties, too, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I had my, my, my cousin was visiting from California, and we usually go out to, like, a nice restaurant and have, like, a big thing, but I cooked for her and, and my sister's boyfriends and stuff. It was really fun. Nice. And you get to linger over your food so much longer, you know, when you, yeah, you cook at home. You don't have to, like, be shuffled out because you're taking over the table. Yeah, know. exactly, exactly, so... That was really great. Nice. Did you have any revelations, James? Or? Um, revelations, I, not necessarily. But I mean, one of my favorite things was having people over. Um, and I guess we all have friends who are not so, I mean, they're all amenable and friendly to the idea of, of cooking sure. and, and hanging out. Um, but yeah, we had, um, I had a few friends over. Not a party at all. We just um, hung out on Friday night. And made a series there was no presentation there's no it was barely nothing barely uh, resembling a restaurant meal um but we made a series of things that were really good we just made a salad um homemade dressing um made schnitzel for the first time um so that's kind of like um uh slices of pork hammered out and then fried in bread uh, schnitzel oh schnitzel yeah Yeah, nice (laughs) fried in in breadcrumbs um that's an easy one it was literally people in the kitchen saying i'm gonna make this and then everyone else was, you know, in the next room. And just, okay, it's done. And we didn't, it wasn't, you know, there was no restaurant aspect to it. But it was fun and everyone enjoyed Everybody collaborated. Yeah, everything. That's a good way to do it. Instead of every one person or the host cooks, yeah. everybody does it. Yeah, that's actually really funny that you mentioned that. Um, and you guys are all invited to this event um, that I'm planning uh, in April called Cooklin Improv. And we did this last year. It's, it's a lot of fun. Basically, you get a bunch of people, different skill levels in the kitchen, but that just enjoy food. Um, each person is responsible for bringing uh, a, a type of ingredient. So they have a budget of like, you know, $100 for meat, $50 for vegetables, like whatever. Um, and, you know, somebody gets the pantry staples and no one knows who, what anyone else is bringing. Um, and you show up, put the bags on the table, present your ingredients, and then like you have to get together Santa. with a group um, and figure out a five to seven course meal based on the ingredients Ooh. that everybody brought. Um, and so I uh, did it last year. It was amazing. I mean, like the, the kind of meal, like none of us had really had restaurant experience before, but the kind of dishes that came out of the kitchen were like unbelievable. Wow. How many people um, were there? Uh, I think we did it with like about 12 people. And there, we actually fine. had a camera crew in there and there were some other observers. That, so it was like a total, maybe like we were feeding like 15 people. But um 
Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, that's the, I mean that's that's a, you know an event that's kind of like something that we do on a relatively regular basis. But uh-huh. um, but it's 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 a dinner party idea too. You know, like have some friends that you that you know you great. don't enjoy to cook. Have them all bring something, and then you just figure something out. Um, it's kind of like a sport too. It sounds like or a game show. <laughs> exactly, and and, and then it, there's no but there's no competitive element. Like you're not trying to beat somebody. Like no, you know no. the people that have more knowledge help the people who have less knowledge, and everybody pitches in their ideas of what they think would be great. Um, and then uh, and then you know on the execution side, like the people that know a little bit more help the other folks out, and uh, and it was a lot of fun. Collaborish, collaborative cooking. So what you guys exactly. So, so when's it? How do we get? Should we just plan our own, or can we go to one big um, one? Yeah, or? you can. You can go to it. Um, it's, so the the space that we do it in is called Lab Twenty Four Seven, and the the URL is Lab Two Four Seven dot. Uh, <laughs> it's not dot com. I think it's either dot net or dot org. Um, and and it's a it's a friend of mine out in Bed Stuy who's got a, a performance space where he has oh, concerts cool. and food events. So um, we're we're also doing another one called uh, Forge and Feast, um, where we go out and forge for fiddleheads and ramps and whatnot, and uh, come back to his place and and cook what we picked. It's a great time for forging, isn't it? I yeah, can't wait yeah. To get out there. So you guys should definitely check it. You can actually check out the coverage from the ones we did last year um, on my website, norecipes.com. Uh, just do a search for either Forge and Feast or Cooklin, as in Brooklyn, but with the cooking in the front. Um, and Yeah, Cooklin. Why didn't anyone come up with that before? That's smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's lots of pictures from the, from the events. Very cool. Thanks so much for sharing that. Can't sure. wait. So it looks like we're just about out of time, but um, I just can't thank you guys enough for um, sacrificing maybe some extra time, sanity out of your busy lives, and I hope that you enjoyed um, cooking for a week. Um, not that, yeah, you know, not that you couldn't have done it otherwise. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe. Do you guys think that this is something you might just offhandedly, you know, do more of? Cook straight for a couple days or two. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, my boyfriend was really into it. He wants to do it once a month. I don't know if I'm up for it, but he was definitely <laughs> into that stuff. He wants to cook once a month or he, he wants, wants to eat? I think he wants to eat. Yeah, yeah he's cook. very helpful. He does the dishes and stuff, but he really liked it because, you know, you do feel better when you eat. That's that a must. Prepare, so. yeah. yeah. Somebody else does, does the dishes. <laughs> Can we can we have a not not washing dishes for a week next? <laughs> okay, well, thanks so much, guys. Again, we have Ula Carval from Goldilocks Finds Manhattan. Check out her blog, and uh, uh, she also do sheep do- sheep dog print and design. Yeah, my sister and I do that together. Yep. Great stuff. They designed my website, theartofeatingin.com. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, we have James Vu from the Eaton Path. And if, uh, if anyone's going to be in South by Southwest, I will also be at the Ice Cream Man ice cream truck all week. Ice um, Cream Man. Yes. I totally forgot that was you. But that's actually how we first met. Cool. Um, and you guys have those pamphlets again? The um, Yeah, we have a new issue of Amara Magazine off the wiki.com. Um, I'm the editor. Um, and it should be actually available for download later this week. Awesome. Off yeah, the wiki.com is- with, with one E because it's totally legal that way. Off the wiki? Yes. Okay. Yeah, this is a real classic of the South by Southwest literature. <laughs> um, and then Mark Matsumoto, thanks so much for joining us. And, Thank you, Kathy. And NoRecipes.com and just, style, you know, food consultant extraordinaire. <laughs> um, thanks so much. You're not going to be in South by Southwest, are you? 
No, I'm actually going to be in Barcelona that week. My schedule the rest of this month well, is kind of crazy. Well, that sounds pretty awesome, too. Yeah, I, I always happen to miss um, South by Southwest for one reason or another. Uh, so hopefully next year. All right, well, have a good siesta. Thank <laughs> hopefully you. Hopefully see you soon. All and right. And Addie, I will see you next week. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Everybody I can't else wait. will be there. So we'll see you guys uh, next week on the show. I'm Kathy, your, her- ah, your host, Kathy Irway. Thanks to Jack Inslee, engineer, and Nat Wiener. And thanks to Whole Foods. We'll see you next week on Heritage Radio. Oh,